What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? This is an important issue. If Christians are supposed to be followers and be disciples of Christ, we need to know what that means. Today, we're going to be reminded that being Jesus' disciple is not a matter of saying the right words and doing the right things. It's about having the right attitude, perspective, and commitment. It's not easy. This is The Wisdom Journey, and here's Stephen Davey. During World War II, the United States commissioned the construction of a pipeline to deliver oil uh, from a a remote Alaskan oil field uh, all the way to a refinery 1,200 miles away. Now, this was going to ensure a fuel supply for trucks and planes if other sources were cut off. A contractor hiring workers for this uh, project posted a sign at a recruiting station uh, that read basically saying, this is no picnic. Working and living conditions on this job are as difficult as those encountered on any construction job ever done in the United States or foreign territory. Uh, Men hired for this job will be required to work and and to live under the most extreme conditions imaginable. Temperatures are going to range from 90 degrees above zero to 70 degrees Fahrenheit below zero. Men are going to have to fight swamps and rivers and ice and cold and mosquitoes and (laughs) flies and gnats. Uh, They're not only going to be annoying but potentially causing bodily harm. If you're not prepared, this sign said, to to work under these uh, and similar conditions, do not apply. Now, with that advertising strategy, you might be surprised to learn that many men signed up to serve. Well, today as we sail into Luke's gospel account and watch what happens next, Jesus is just a, a few short months away from his crucifixion. He's ministering east of the Jordan River in Perea, and we're told here in chapter 14 and verse 25 that great crowds accompanied him. He's literally surrounded by a mob of people, and frankly, they're following him physically, but they're not following him spiritually. But you need to understand, Jesus isn't interested in making friends. He's interested in making disciples. So at this point, as he's done in the past, the Lord stops, and he he puts a sign up, so to speak. He delivers a message to those who who really want to follow him. They need to consider the the real cost of being his disciple. Are they willing to, to totally commit themselves to him? This isn't going to be a picnic here. In fact, let me break down the Lord's message here into four different challenges. First, the Lord challenges this massive crowd to arrange their love life in order of priority. He says here in verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, that's, that's quite a dramatic statement, isn't it? Not only is it shocking to 
our ears, but it also seems to contradict earlier passages about loving your enemies and honoring your parents and, and loving your children. Now, he, now he's saying you got to hate them all. Well, in our world today, the word hate refers to uh, dislike, hostility. But in the literature of the Near Eastern world, hate was a word that referred to priorities. And that's the idea in Romans chapter 9, by the way, where we're told that God loved Jacob and hated Esau. That, that's not a statement of emotion. That, that's a statement of determination. God determined that Jacob would be his priority in carrying out the Abrahamic covenant instead of Esau. Well, what then is Jesus uh, saying here to this crowd? Is he telling them to, you know, tear up their Christmas list and, and stop calling their parents? No. He's saying that all other relationships are just lower on the priority list than Jesus. Jesus takes first place. So we got to get our love life, so to speak, in the right order. Now, here's the second challenge. They need to accept the ridicule and rejection of the world. Jesus says here in verse 27, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, the phrase here, come after me, literally expresses the idea of getting in line behind somebody. You see, this multitude is following Jesus on the way to Jerusalem, and and they think they're in a parade. Well, Jesus knows this is a death march. This is going to take him to Calvary. It's going to, it's going to include ridicule and, and mockery and rejection and suffering. And Jesus says quite literally, if you want to follow me, get in line behind me and expect to be handed your own cross. Now, beloved, be careful that you don't make this passage a list of requirements for salvation, as some have. Salvation is not justification by faith plus carrying your cross. Jesus isn't giving us a checklist here in order to be saved. He's giving us a checklist on what life is going to be like now that we are saved. And Jesus is making a statement. Frankly, his generation would would immediately understand. The cross represented the most humiliating death in the Roman Empire. It was the death no one wanted to die. The cross was not only a, a tree of torture, but it was a symbol of of shame. Taking up your cross in the first century would have been the most dramatic way of announcing that your life was no longer your own. You're no longer in charge of your destiny. See, Jesus isn't handing out crowns. He's handing out crosses. And we're invited to get in line behind him to declare that we are not in charge of our destiny and and we're willing to accept the ridicule and rejection of the world around us. With that, Jesus goes on to deliver a third challenge here to this this great crowd of, uh, of people. Here it is. They need to anticipate the cost of their commitment. Now, the Lord is going to use two illustrations to make his point. The first one comes from a construction site here in verse 28. For which of you, desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, the Lord might be referring here to a watchtower that was set in a vineyard 
or maybe the construction of a barn. In either case, somebody who starts building without calculating the cost is is foolish. He sets himself up for ridicule in the community because he didn't plan well enough to complete it. Now, the second illustration comes from the battlefield, verse 31. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. You see, no, no king's going to rush into battle without doing a head count. And this king realizes he's outnumbered two to one. So the wisest thing to do is write up a peace treaty and keep from going into battle. In other words, building a life for Christ, going out on the battlefield for Christ, it isn't a matter of emotion. It's a matter of calculation. Think it through and then trust the Lord as you walk with him to provide what you need. Now, there's one more challenge here as the Lord summarizes his teaching. Here's the principle. Assume your expectations will change along the journey. Jesus says here in verse 33, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, the word therefore goes back and basically summarizes everything Jesus has already said in this encounter. Therefore, Be prepared to renounce everything as you pick up your cross, as you arrange your priorities. In fact, the word for renounce is the word used often in the New Testament for saying farewell, actually saying goodbye. You see, this crowd of people had high expectations for following Jesus. They expected miracle lunches on the hillside and miraculous healings whenever they got sick, and Jesus is rewriting their expectations. He's telling them here what it really means to walk with the Lord. Being a disciple just might involve saying goodbye to other relationships that hinder your walk with Christ. It might mean saying farewell to the approval and acceptance of others, saying farewell to some activity or enterprise that that doesn't put Christ first, saying goodbye to some expectation that God has chosen not to fulfill. Being a disciple means simply saying this, nothing matters more to me than belonging to and walking with my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, on our wisdom journey, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson, Will the Real Disciples Sign Up? You can learn more about Stephen and this ministry if you visit our website, which is wisdomonline.org. Once you go there, you'll be able to access the complete library of Stephen's Bible teaching ministry. While you're there, be sure and sign up to receive the next three issues of Stephen's magazine as our gift. Join us next time to continue the wisdom journey.